Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing With Fishes podcast. I'm your host Steve and this is episode 286. Uh, this week we have Mr. Grow It with us. Thanks a lot for joining us, Mr. Grow It. Hey, thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. Um, it's been a, a pretty uh, pretty crazy week. Um, uh, we appreciate everybody being here. Um, also, uh, tomorrow is Bicycle Day for those of you uh, that are celebrating. Happy Bicycle Day um, coming up. And then uh, 420. So uh, we'll be celebrating those over at Fumador's channel, Fumador and the Flavors. So definitely check him out. And um, before we get started, um, we also wanted to touch on real quick. Um, we are running a holiday 420 sale on the aquaponics class. So you can check that out over apmjclass.com. Uh, we do have a coupon code AP420 for 75 bucks off the class. Um, you can check that out. We have over uh, 800 slides now. Uh, Marty and I have been recording some new ones recently, and uh, we have quite a bit of new content. We've got 400 slides that we're in the process of recording to add into the deck as well, uh, which will put it at over 1,000 once all the slides are up. So uh, definitely check that out. If you haven't already. Uh, Alrighty, um, thanks a lot for joining us today, Mr. Groitz. Um, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little about you. You have uh, all kinds of cool stuff that you're up to. Yeah, well, my name's Chris. A lot of people call me Mr. Groit. Um, started growing in 2010. Actually started consuming when I was 12. And uh, my sister got me into it. And the, you know, she pulled me into the backyard and she had a joint all lit up. And she's like, here, hit this. 12 years old hitting it for the first time i didn't get stoned the first time she smoked me out like three or four times and finally got stoned um but that kind of started the journey you know i mean i started smoking you know at 12 and smoked all the way through into high school uh after high school was done and you know it was after that you know 2010 is when i started growing and uh you know for the first six years actually i was doing the same thing over and over again Fox Farm Nutrients, Fox Farm Soil, HID Lighting. Uh, and then I found out about YouTube and how people are actually growing on YouTube. And I was like, this is allowed? What the heck? I thought this was illegal. You know? <laughs> and so uh, I started learning about like the different ways to do it. And it just got me real super excited. And I had some like video videography experience uh, just in the past, like filming with my buddies and stuff. So I was like, oh, I'm going to start filming my plants and then put it on YouTube. And so like in 2015, I started putting out videos and then the channel just kind of blew up from there. And, um, you know, it's more like on the beginner slash intermediate side of things. So like a lot of folks will kind of, you know, ask questions and there's really a lot of beginners kind of flock to me in regards to it. Uh, you know, I've grown in soil, cocoa, haven't done DWC, um, haven't done aquaponics, which I hope to learn more from you about that. Um, and, you know, I just push myself to learn more and more and continue to just try to make informative videos or somewhat entertaining videos uh, that led into me doing uh, being a part of a podcast. Um, I launched my own podcast after that, and I have, I'm part of three podcasts now. So it just it was just one thing after another. And uh, yeah, content creation is kind of what I'm doing full time. You know, I'm just a small home grower. I, I have a, pla a max plant count of 12. So I'm part of a medical program in my state. And so I can only grow 12 plants. I'm pretty limited here. So uh, I think a lot of indoor growers, uh, smaller home growers kind of appreciate my content because that's, it revolves around what they do. You know what I mean? So that's kind of a little bit about me and kind of how I got into YouTube. Awesome. Yeah, no, uh, uh, it's really great to hear your, uh, your story on that. Uh, uh, you, you got me beat by one year. I, I got into smoking when I was 13, but you got me beat. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy starting that young, huh? I mean, geez, those black market days, it was something to like look back upon and just be thankful that like, we don't have to deal with that anymore. You know what I mean? Like from like the brick weed, but like all the seeds and like all the stems you had to worry about. Now we don't have to worry about any of that, you know, and like hiding around the corner and stuff. Like, at least for me, I know there's still plenty of black market areas, plenty of states where it's still illegal. Hopefully those things will change over the years, up, upcoming years here. 
but uh, it's good that we don't have to, you know, many of us don't have to really hide as much anymore. I was just talking today about that uh, with some friends about how uh, we need to really get to, and I've been talking about doing the show, uh, a separate little show, um, you know, all pre-recorded on just some of the stories that everyone's gone through in the black market days. Like if you guys have never heard the story of people like Mr. Nice, who had a, a friend fake being a DEA agent and a, a, a Mexican DEA agent to get us stuff. And like the stuff that happened with Dennis Perone and the, the, the lead cop hitting or uh, threatening to kill him in front of the judge and like all these different crazy, insane stories that are like movie level that, that just happened all the time back in the black market days. to so many people that are, are just stories that you couldn't make up, you know, it's, we need to kind of preserve those and, and document them while we still can since legalization is kind of ending a lot of that, you know, for, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, that's so wild. I mean, I'm sure there's so many things that aren't documented. Uh, one of the things that is, you know, on Netflix, the murder mountain, I don't know if you've seen that, that is like, uh, yeah. you know, it kind of makes cannabis in general look bad in a sense. I know my mom hit me up afterwards and she's like, Oh my God, did you see this documentary? This is so bad. I'm just like, and I watched it. I'm like, okay, so that's it's Humboldt County. You know what I mean? Like stuff like yeah. that's going to happen, you know, especially in the black market days. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the more stuff that gets documented, the more stuff that's out there in the public, hopefully in a, a good light will help normalize this. Right. And it's going to get people, more people on board help change these laws, right? Um, we need to, to legalize across the board and we're not there yet, so. Oh yeah, and I, I know there's definitely some friends of mine that were kind of angry. A Netflix filmed without permission some city council meetings that they were told not to and some other stuff in that documentary, so. And I don't know, wow. I, I some of the most, in, in fact, the single most insane event that I was ever privy to in the cannabis industry actually was in Humboldt. And I've been to Southern Africa and a bunch of other places. So, and Jamaica. Um, and still the craziest thing I ever witnessed in the, in the industry by far was in Humboldt. But at the same time, like I go to Redway every year for the Regen Conference, right? It's not like it's a scary place to be, but if you go looking for trouble, you will find it, <laughs> right? It's like, but it's that, it's that way in everywhere. Like you can go to to philadelphia or kingston or harare and find trouble right it doesn't matter like <laughs> i think people think about it in weird perspectives especially when they're thinking about places they haven't visited you know yeah yeah um so uh tell us a little bit more about your podcast um you've been doing it for quite a while and you've been very successful uh uh we'll go we'll get into some of the the intricacies of that a, a little bit later on but uh, tell us a little bit more about your podcast Sure. So I'm a part of a couple actually. In 2020, I was approached by Rob from Cannabis Lifestyle TV. Uh, he had uh, had an idea for a podcast um, and he invited me and Pigeons 420 on it. And so we have that podcast it's called From the Stash. And uh, that we talk about all things cannabis related and, you know, not just growing. A lot of it's growing. A lot of the podcasts are episodes about gardening, um, but we also talk about, you know, cannabis and life. Like we have an episode about caring, uh, cannabis and parenting, for example, cannabis and anxiety, cannabis and COVID, you know, so we have just a, a variety of things. We talk about pot stocks in one of the episodes. So just like a wide range of all things cannabis related. That's been running since 2020. The end of 2020 is when we started. You can see that there on the screen right now. And every single week, putting out a new episode, we go live on Twitch. We actually record all the episodes live on Twitch twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, so you can hang out with us live, help influence the conversation. And then eventually we ended up posting them on to YouTube here. And that's when that's really where the majority of the audience is on YouTube. It's also on all podcast platforms as well. So that's one of the podcasts. The other podcast that I run by myself is called Garden Talk with Mr. Grow It. That one started, the true first episode was like in mid 2020. And it was more of, I, I didn't really know it was going to turn into a podcast. It was, um, yeah, see, there's, there's the channel right there. Okay. You get the playlist up to, with all the episodes. Uh, it started out as kind of just like a one-on-one -on -one discussion video and it turned into a podcast. So like really it started going every single week in the beginning of 2021 and I've been pretty consistent every week since then. Um, we're up to episode, uh, was it 60 something? And uh, 
it's blown up way beyond my expectations. I mean, it gets 10, 20, 30,000 views per episode just on YouTube alone, which is just absolutely incredible. But uh, basically the format is me and interviewing somebody else one-on-one. And so it's kind of split screen format that we have. And then uh, just talking about all things gardening, you know, it is specific to gardening and really what the guest knows about gardening and what they want to really talk about for the audience, you know? Um, so for example, uh, I've had Dr. Bruce Bugby on uh, one of the episodes there. Yeah, you get the highlight over there. So he talks about organic versus synthetic fertilizers, flushing. Um, he talks a whole bunch of uh, science related things. We get to a little bit of bro science things and he like debunks some things. And that was a really fun episode. Um, but I don't just have just scientists on there. I have your everyday average person. I have some beginners on there. In fact, some of the most viewed episodes are from beginners, you know, where I interview beginners because they're going through the process. And if a beginner, and they're talking about things that more intermediate and expert people don't really talk about, like more routine stuff. And so that's more extra helpful for the folks that are just starting. And so, uh, yeah, I'll interview anybody from a beginner all the way up to an expert or a scientist. And uh, I think people appreciate that because there is that variety of it and there are different perspectives. I mean, let's be real. There's not one way to do it, right? There are so many different ways to go about it. So when we talk about the right way versus the wrong way, most of the time it's not really wrong. It's just more of an alternate way to go about it, right? So, uh, so that's been very, very successful. And then the last podcast I have is Unfiltered. It's called Unfiltered with Mr. Grow It. That one's just on YouTube right now. It is all cannabis related topics. I'm trying not to focus on the gardening because I already have a gardening podcast, but it does shift over to gardening conversations pretty often. Uh, and that one's brand new as of this year. And uh, I think that's going to be seasonal. You know, it's, uh, it's so much doing all these, all this media stuff is, is so much. Plus I have a garden to keep up myself. You know, I have a girlfriend that I need to pay attention to. <laughs> I have family that I need to uh, hang out with, you know what I mean? So like, I'll probably just stop unfiltered for a little while and make it seasonal. Um, and uh, just go strong with the, the garden talk and the, from the stash. And then I also have a, a main YouTube channel called Mr. Grow it. That one is what I display my garden. So my main garden is there. That's what I do the garden videos on. So, well, um, what are some of the more interesting uh, interviews or, or factoids that you've picked up while doing your show from the various guests that you've had? Uh, hmm. I'd say one of my, I mean, just kind of thinking off the top of my head here, one of the recent ones is uh, the one I just posted not too long ago with Derek from the Bud Lab. It's episode 61 titles answering the most highly debated gardening questions and that's just so fun because i'm, I'm like throwing at, throwing out all these like controversial topics like hey stem splitting what do you think of that ice flushing what do you think of that and so he's going and answering them and, and his thoughts on it um it, it, it was just a real fun episode he's a real animated guy and so like uh he's uh it, it's hard to explain he gives some really good answers though. a lot of things like he's done a lot of experiments himself um, and so he was able to talk about those, which I thought was really interesting. Another one, which is kind of similar to that was Tim, with Tim McCormick from Culture Biologics. That was episode 41, Bro Science versus Grow Science, Gardening Myths Exposed is what's that's the, the title of that one. And that similar thing, only he has like a large, like an extensive background in like plant botany, um, chemistry, like a whole bunch of like education bachelor's degree i don't know if he has his doctorate degree or not but like he's got a ton of knowledge so he's having like scientific answers to back up what he's saying which is super interesting that was a really really good episode um, a couple more would be jeremy silva from build the soil great episode i mean jeremy he's the way he explains thing is just so beginner friendly and uh people just are able to grasp onto it a lot of people say I'm kind of similar in that sense where I'm able to explain things in a way that a beginner can easily grasp it. And so him and I together, everybody said that was a great episode. It's called Organic Gardening for Beginners, Building Soil and Feedings. And, you know, Jeremy, he's hardcore organic, hardcore trying to make things sustainable. 
and he gives so much great information in that one. And it's, it's so condensed, so much information in such a short period of time. I highly recommend that one. And the last one I already kind of talked about was the one with Bruce Bugby, episode 46. So, um, you know, organic versus synthetic, flushing, plant lighting. He has a ton of knowledge when it comes to plant lighting. I mean, he's in a, a Utah State University where they're doing actual studies, research and development on cannabis, right? On on hemp, I guess they have to call it because it's it's not flowered out. So the THC content isn't there, but it's still a cannabis plant. Um, so they do studies around that. And he's just got 40 years of knowledge. And that one was a really, really good one. So those are some of my favorite ones. Being sorry. Being a more beginner's um, channel, what are some of the common questions that you get asked? You know, it's the same, same stuff. Same stuff as it was 10 years ago. Same stuff as it probably was 20 years ago or 30 years ago. Over fertilizing, over watering. Actually, now it's it's new with the uh, too much light. Um, but you know, people are still overfeeding the plants with synthetic fertilizers. They think that, you know, when, you, when you're feeding in and you are, have over-fertilized, what happens to your plant? The leaves become very, very dark, like abnormally dark, start to be shiny. They start to curl over. Um, clawing is a common thing that happens with, with nitrogen toxicity. And unfortunately, there are many growers out there that think that's normal. They're like, oh, look at this beautiful shade of green that I have here. Yet they're on the verge of nitrogen toxicity. Then they'll go into flowering with that much nitrogen in there and their buds will start to be airy. You know, they'll continue to feed in, especially they'll, they'll feed in CalMag and CalMag. A lot of the formulas do have nitrogen in as well. So they're feeding that in and then uh, they're getting into week three, four, five. And they're like, wait a minute, what's wrong with my bud structure? And so I'm getting all these pictures of people that have over fertilized and they they're like, why aren't the buds dense? And literally it's because they've over-fertilized. They've fed, they fed too much nutrients. They're not monitoring like the PPM or the EC at all. And they've just, they've over-fertilized. Unfortunately, when you're late in flowering there, you know, weeks four, five and beyond, and you've already done the damage, it's hard to recover. At least in my experience, it's like, it's really hard to get out of that and have a good final product. So I still see that happening. The overwatering thing, I mean, how do you, how do you fix that? <laughs> you know, how do you explain to somebody that like how not to overwater? I mean, I guess one of the more accurate ways would be to get a moisture meter, right? And then you have at least something digital that you can go off of or a digital moisture meter. It doesn't need to be a digital, but at least you have some sort of metric to go off of. Um, and uh, so you still get people, even with the common techniques, you still get people to, to overwater. I mean, choking out the root zone. I don't know if you've ever seen a, microscope of a root cut open and showing a healthy root versus a overwatered root. What you'll see is actually that the plant actually eats away, all the cells are destroyed. So like it's, it's trying to send oxygen down or something like that. And like there's big holes within the roots. So huge transport areas because it's just choked up at the roots. So we have a lot of people that are still, you know, overwatering, same, same stuff. And then the last one I talked about was, was light burn, you know, especially with these new LEDs. Oh man, people ease They want to run it at hundred percent. You know, they want to run their light at hundred percent. And oftentimes they don't have their VPD dot then, you know, their, their temperature humidity is, is off. Uh, they're not supplementing CO2 yet. They're, Maybe they don't have the nutrition dialed in and they're blasting down all this light. And then their plants showing all these issues, you know, towards the top part of the plant. And most of the time, all they need to do is, is lower, lower the, uh, the dimmer or, or back away the light. And then, uh, and then usually recovers, but I see a lot of people, it's becoming more and more common. People just either ignore the suggested light distance and are running higher than they should or they just don't have their other factors dialed in so they can't run at that high capacity of lighting. Yeah, we, we see that, <clears throat> that nitrogen issue a lot in aquaponics too. People think that they need to, they, in fact, there's even some aquaponics companies that, that wrongfully tell people, 
feed more in flour because they need it. And all they're doing is spiking their nitrates uh, or they come into flour with their nitrates like 80 or 100 parts per million. And it's like, you got to get that dialed back immediately or, 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 you know, just stop feeding the fish for a week or two and, and let that come down. Like it, it's again, it's similar issues with that, especially in aquaponics, but we, it's more pronounced because it's all in nitrate form. So you end up with these, just like you're saying, real fluffy buds, fox tailing, uh, increased chance of hermaphroditing, uh, all those things. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. I see uh, Sir Dirty in the uh, comment section here. He mentioned pH. I completely agree with you. Uh, pH is one of those undereducated things. Absolutely. People ignore pH. They're coming in with a pH of their, their water source over seven. And then they're watering in at that. And then little did they know, iron isn't able to be uptaken at a pH that high. The plant's releasing all this acid into the root zone in order to try to lower the pH so they can uptake iron, right? It's just, it's a disaster. And then of course, if you, if you're mixing up nutrients, a lot of these nutrient formulas come out at like a super low pH, like around five, you know, and then they're watering in and then they're lowering the root zone down a ton, lowering down like the, the pH and the medium down a ton. And then that's locking out some other nutrients. Um, so yeah, pH, I completely agree. It's another thing that, that, that new growers get caught up on. That and just pH, swinging your pH, anything more than half a point, that pl just freaks the plant out. The plant will just freak, the leaves will get all weird and it just pisses the plants off. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, we see this in aquaponics as well. So uh, again, being aquatic solution, it's more instant and pronounced, when, especially when people adjust their pH and they overshoot it, um, you know. <laughs> I was going to say, it's probably, it's probably a lot more difficult and PAD, because you're talking about precise, you're like half a point. I think in soil, you could get away with, with doing a little bit more than that, right? Like you're, you're definitely shocking the root zone and shocking the root zone isn't the right term, right? But like high pH swings, you're killing off microbes, for example, oh, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, not, it's not good if you're having these large pH swings in your media. Yeah, either way, even uh, aquatics or in soil, you don't want everyone to have more than ideally 0.2 pH swing within 24 hours. Anything more than that, you're going to definitely start killing microbes. Uh, anything more than a, a half a point, you can start killing fish. So, wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and it's another thing, too, just like you're saying with compost teas and a lot of these organic solutions, people brew them up and they're very acidic because it's a, it's a tea brew, right? So, uh, and then they put it on the plants and the plant wilts and they're like, oh, this organic shit doesn't work. And it's like, well, yeah, you didn't pH it right like it's doesn't mean the organic <laughs> there's a problem like you just didn't understand pH. <laughs> uh, it's funny oh yeah it's it's a common issue for sure um what are um some of your uh favorite strains to grow uh favorite strains to grow hmm um i gotta think about this one one that comes to mind right away is queen anne's revenge by subcool seeds not sure if you've grown out any of uh, subcool seeds or, or TGA genetics as it's formally, but uh, this particular cultivar that I had, I wish I cloned it. Wish I cloned it because it was just gorgeous. So like, you know, from the beginning, it was an easy feeder, you know, it, it's, it had a little bit of magnesium deficiency, like it started to come on, but it was super easy to fix. And then it was healthy throughout the entire, the rest of the grow. And uh, this thing shot up, real beautiful structure. The buds were so dense all the way down to the bottom. I love genetics that have the dense buds all the way down. You don't really have to worry about the LARF, no matter what the environment conditions are. Um, so it was, it was not only dense all the way down, but also frosty all the way down. So like the bottom trichomes as you're digging, digging down and looking in, like just covered in trichomes. And then towards the end of flowering, it was just beautiful. It was, uh, it, it turned to like more of like a dark purple and it started at the very top of the plant and it slowly worked its way down. So like every, every day or every like couple hours or whatever, however, I don't remember how often I was going in my garden, but like every time I went in there, it was like a little bit more purple, a little more purple, purple down, like lower, lower, lower. And it slowly went down and it was just dark purple, the entire plant. Uh, by the time of harvest, I did a partial harvest on it 
And it was pretty, it was unbelievable because the top colas, when I harvested the top colas on it, it uh, unveiled the leaves that were covered that weren't actually hitting the sun. And they were like more of like a lighter green. I don't want to say like lime green because like it wasn't like an unhealthy green, but it was like the purple and then like the, the light green all mixed in. And it was just so, so photo perfect. You know what I mean? And uh, that's on my YouTube channel. I have some pictures on my Instagram as well. Um, the smoke off of that was very narcotic effect, uh, which is something I really like for the evenings in particular and uh, coach lock style for sure. And uh, that was definitely probably one of the ones I can remember. That was one of my favorites to grow out. I've come across some other ones in the past that have been really good. I'm actually working on my own cross. And uh, I mean, I've already done the cross, but I still say working on it because it's not really stable yet. It's Briskeroji cross with Pakistan Valley. And so uh, Briskeroji, you've got your typical OG. I use the male for that long finicky plant, uh, real dense bud structure, kind of flopping all over the place when you get into flowering. And then the Pakistan Valley is a indica land race. And that one is real short, stout, but real dense bud structure. So I did a cross with that and I'm currently on F2s. So I took the F1s, uh, took the offspring of that and then planted those and then phenol hunted and then made F2s. Now I've just planted 12 of those, like I said, my plant count is, is 12. So I'm kind of limited to what I can do. So I have 12 plants growing that right now. And I'm looking to pick a male and then uh, do a practice that I've just recently learned about, which is you take your male and, and pollinate all of the females in there. Here, about a lot of people actually taking clones and then go like growing the females completely out, picking a female and then taking the clone and then pollinating the clone. But uh, I had somebody on my podcast quite recently, Canadian Leaf Genetics, and he's like, why do that? Why not skip the cloning process and just pollinate all the females and then pick a female after that? And then you've already got the seeds. You know what I mean? You could even pollinate just one branch. And so I was like, hey, that's a pretty good idea. Why not try that? You know, so that's what I'm currently going through right now. The plants are in the vegetation stage, just flipping over the flower. So um, now we should see them uh, grow, uh, you know, stretch. And then, uh, and then we'll go from there. So that's currently what's on my main channel. Um, that kind of went off topic there on favorite streets to grow. Shout out our, our normal co-host uh, Fumador. He actually has the Queen Anne's Revenge uh, crossed with Ruby Jack and his uh, cherry bidis, whatever the, f I'm sorry, I'm Fumi, I can't pronounce your shit but I will plug your, your strain here. Um, uh, he actually has that uh, available over on his website at uh, fumadoro.com. Um, he has, honest to God, the best fucking pictures. Wow. Of I got to yeah. pick those up. Yeah, I need yeah, that. If you're looking for it, he was, a, he was real good friends with Subcool and all. He's got a bunch of his old genetics that he does stuff with. But I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful plant. And again, all of his photography is just tits. So great photography yeah wow look at the colors on that beautiful right. so yeah there you go it's uh the church yeah anyways since you, since you mentioned it uh, uh somebody in chat mentioned that he actually has a cross of it so i want to plug that just because he's normally here <laughs> <laughs> um what is your favorite strain to smoke well i already mentioned the queen's and queen anne's revenge i'm trying to think of what else th seeds sage and sour from them is uh one of my all-time favorites for sativa oh my gosh it's just a very fuely upbeat strain and uh it's just you know typical sativa where you're up and like active and, and real racy uh, so i like that you know during the day that was a good one um purple frost giant by welcome to the grow tent is another one uh more of a narcotic effect um kind of a sweet slash lemony flavor off of that one uh, peanut butter breath by thug pug genetics that's another one real narcotic effect um it's a handful that comes to mind right now off the top of my head uh prism labs actually has some really good genetics as well uh, prism labs chronic 420 ink from formerly of north genetics branched off did his own thing 
So Prism Labs with a Z. Everything I've grown out from him has been Fire so far, Curb Stomper, ISO 8. Um, he gave me a whole bunch of other ones, but they had to turn, turn out to be males. But I still have more. Hopefully, I'm hoping to get a female on some of them. But I have his whole line. I think he has like five different cultivars. And uh, that Square One Genetics is another one. I got to mention that. THC Titan uh, had his Frozen Fuel, uh, Brisker OG, grown those out before. Both of those are just incredible. Uh, frost level is just unreal density all the way down to the bottom. Just yeah, everything from him is just is so, so good. Um, a lot of hype behind his strains, right? Cause I know some, some big wigs growing them out and advertising. Uh, and uh, so he sells out within like a minute or two whenever he does a drop, but uh, worth it. If you can get your hands on that, worth it. Um, you do quite a few different side by sides uh, uh, on your on your channel as well. You want to talk about some of the different interesting ones that you've done? I don't really do many side by sides. Oh, I would just look at uh, but, the, that's fine. We can skip that one if you no, want. No, 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 no. There, there is that. So, so like a true side by side, you know, is let's take a step and talk about that. It's coming from clone, right? you want to have the same phenotype when you're doing like a true side-by-side -side and you're truly comparing, you want to limit the variables as much as possible. Ideal say you probably don't want to do a side-by-side -side in soils or using organics because there's just so many variables in the actual so soil. Um, so ideal state, maybe you're in a soilless medium, maybe using synthetic fertilizers, more precision based formulas. Um, so I, I don't really do that level, but what I will do is I'll grow out, different phenos and just do comparing random comparing of things. I don't take them very serious. I just point out things that look different, but knowing that it's not a true side by side, just want to make that clear. Uh, but there are a couple actually experiments that come to mind that uh, I think is kind of what you're, you're relating to is I did a, like a, a experiment where I did paper towel germination versus planting seeds directly into soil. So I thought it would be cool to like, you know, you hear about all these people doing the paper towel method. And then there's people who are like, oh, if you just, just plant it directly into soil, it's, it's faster, easier, so on and so forth. So I want to say if it really was faster, because you would think it would be about the same time to show a taproot and then plant, and then they should sprout around the same time. And long story short, it was the same time. So I went and, uh, you know, planted the seed and started germination process at the same time. And then once I went through soaking the seed in a cup of water, then transferring to paper towel, then planting, by the time that sprouted, the other plants that I had planted directly in the meeting were sprouting about the same time. There was pretty much no difference. So that was that was the kind of cool thing that I thought, again, there's so many variables. So I, I, it's not like a true side by side, just a fun little experiment. And then one last one I can talk about is the pH germination experiment. So what I did was uh back in the day i mean these are like from 2017 or something like that so we're talking years and years ago uh, i, I want to know if there was like if a a soaking seeds in a certain ph would lead to a better um you know a, a better a, a faster break open like crack open or a bigger uh, sprout to appear so uh, I, I used the paper towel method and actually soaked in different pH levels from like 2.3 pH up to 11 pH. I forget how many there were, but there was, uh, I think probably maybe about 10 or something like that in between 2.3 and 11 pH. And I also had a solution of pH up and pH down. I dropped seeds into there just for the fun of it. And uh, everything sprout, everything cracked open, everything sprouted and all those different pH, except for the pH up and pH down, none of those seeds cracked open. So uh, yeah, I mean, just fun little experiments for just for, you know, again, fun or just for content purposes. That's all not, nothing too serious there. Random question from chat. What are your thoughts on Smurfette? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> what is Smurfette? It's just uh, the cartoon character. Um, oh, <laughs> it was just funny and goofy. Um, so we had a, a, someone else in chat ask, what do you use to buffer your water and aquaponics? For pH up, we use potassium silicate and calcium carbonate. 
the pH down, we use phosphoric acid or muriatic acid, depending on how strong of a pH or lactobacillic acid actually uh, uh, labs actually works just uh, as well for lower pH changes or smaller pH changes. Um, we had a, what you had a beer cup challenge. Do you want to talk to us about that? I know a lot of people say like, you know, talk about root bound and, you know, all these other things and you're growing in a beer can. So I thought it'd be kind of fun just to, to mention that because it kind of very much goes against what a lot of people say on the soil stuff. Yeah. So the beer cup challenge, another thing that was like from many years, I think I did that in like 2017 and a beer cup challenge. I used a, a solo cup, the 16 ounce solo cup. And uh, the, the goal was to plant in there and then keep it in that same container throughout the entire grow. And so that's what I did. And it started on 12, 12 light cycle as well. So you don't even veg it. You don't really veg it. Although the plant is going to be in a veg stage for a certain number of days. I think it was actually 21 days since sprout is when I saw the first pistol start to come out. And so then the plant, you know, started flowering and uh, I topped it once and the thing branched off and it's like a super ugly plant. Uh, hopefully you don't show it on screen. <laughs> because it, uh, it definitely became root bound. It was showing problems. Uh, it, I had to water it like two, three times a day, like at the minimum, because it was just soaking up water. I put it into like a, a Tupperware container underneath it. So I had like a little I guess, reservoir or whatever sitting in, you know what I mean? Just a little additional water that I could have. So I wouldn't have to water it as often. But it was a disaster. It only it only yielded six point eight grams, <laughs> so it was just like not worth it in my opinion. But it was fun, I guess. I would never do it again because it's just it's not that fun. But <laughs> but uh, it, it's a fun challenge, and it, it was a challenge that I also encouraged my audience to join in with me. So along the way, back then when I was posting the videos. And I don't take credit for this by any means. I saw somebody was doing this in like 2015. I was like, hey, let's do it for 2017. So um, so I ended up doing it, encouraged my audience to join. And there were some really impressive results. They were, well, I mean, these people were actually cloning, you know, so they're taking like plants that are already established, cloning, and then putting it in there. So you have an already established plant and they were actually getting a pretty decent yield out of it, you know? So, um, but yeah, it's not, not worth it in my opinion um you're also uh are an accomplished author do you want to talk for a minute about your book sure yeah so uh, my book is called seven steps to grow cannabis it is a book specifically for beginners it was originally written in 2016 and then i revised it and then revised it again the newest revision is from 2020 probably should be revised again, since we've learned so much in the past couple of years in regards to cultivating cannabis. Um, but great beginner book. What really inspired me to write this book is not only because I'm bombarded with questions every single day from people wanting to seek answers. So I want to consolidate it and put it in one spot. But when I first started growing, I bought Jorge Cervantes' Grower's Bible. I bought Aid Rosenthal's uh, Grow book. And um, quite frankly, it was, it was a little bit overwhelming for me as a beginner. You know, there's more information than needed. I just wanted to learn how to grow the plant. I didn't care about the science behind it. I didn't care about, you know, applying all these different methods in order to try to perfect things, you know. And there was a bunch of unnecessary information, in my opinion, for beginners. And I know it's not a beginner grow book, either of those. There was a full comprehensive guide on it, but, uh, but there really wasn't much out there specifically for beginners. So I wrote a condensed guide, really a beginner's guide on growing, um, using either soil or cocoa, HID lighting, LED lighting, CMH. And, uh, this book does focus on indoor growing and on growing bottled nutrients. So synthetics, um, it doesn't really cover organics. That's probably my next revision is to, to get some organics in there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's helped out tens of thousands of people over the past seven years since, or six years since it's been out. And uh, it's, it seems like every single day I have somebody who's like, Oh, I bought your book and I was able to get through harvest. And I get pictures of people sending me like, look at my harvest. I followed your book step-by-step. Step. And it's just so rewarding to hear that. You know, I, I didn't really 
it didn't really set out to put it to make a bunch of money. Like it's on Amazon and stuff like that. And I think I earned like $3 a book sale or something like that. So it's like, it's pretty much nothing. Uh, so it's not about the money or anything like that. It's really just about helping people. And I love writing. So why not write a book? So that book, um, I'll probably do a revision next year, maybe, or the year after that. But I am working on a new book. So I'm working on my second book. It is going to be about growing organically. So it's going to be a full comprehensive beginner's guide to growing, uh, growing cannabis organically. Um, and it's going to not only cover really the beginner, how to get in there as a beginner, but uh, I think it's also going to tiptoe into intermediate. So to leave the reader with uh, not only the beginner knowledge in order to be successful and get them through a grow with organics, but it's also going to give them additional knowledge different avenues you can go into, right? Because organics, there's so many different ways to grow organic, right? Um, and there's so many things that you can do beyond that. You know, natural farming is one example, right? So like, it's not going to get deep into that type of stuff because there, you know, there are already books out there and I want my book to be, this book to be a condensed organic guide. But, uh, but I definitely wanted to at least expose those different practices and that'll lead the gardener into... Um, you know, going in whatever direction they want to go into. Because as you know, there are so many different directions that you can go into when it comes to growing this plant. Yeah, you got your, all the all different things, the living soil and the aquaponics and the hydro and the KMF and the, all the different things, for sure. Um, so this is the topic that um, I actually, I think you seem to be the Jedi master of um, and I was something I was kind of excited to ask you about, especially after when, when we talked earlier, you gave me this fun disclaimer about, uh, uh, what, anyways, uh, on how to, how to speak properly on, on, on your show. Um, talk to us a little bit about navigating the YouTube sensor bots and minefield that is, uh, you know, remotely attempting to, to not get caught up in all the, uh, the sensor bots that YouTube does, because you seem to have figured it out, uh, and um, uh, I thought, you know, it'd be a good person to ask and have you maybe touch on that because I think it's something that frustrates the living hell out of a lot of people. I mean, I think we all know of a channel that's been taken down or had to deal with certain level. I mean, we were suspended for 90 days at one point and we ended up winning our um, uh, petition back. But, you know, we were we had to go to our backup channel for 90 days and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it certainly is a, an issue that plagues pretty much anyone that does cannabis media. So. Uh, I'd love to have you talk to us about that. Sure. Well, it's going to be a long answer, but uh, <laughs> well, that's cool. uh, I'm very open when it comes to this because I, I feel like I somewhat figured it out. Um, first thing it's recommended is to read YouTube's community guidelines and their advertiser friend, advertiser friendly uh, guidelines. I think it's called read both of those. Cause there is a lot of information in there. That's going to tell you, it's going to reveal how to, keep content clean and the ability to monetize it. One of the main things is that showing plants. So I think YouTube has like bots or algorithms, whatever the heck they have smart systems that are going to detect cannabis plants. And it'll tell the difference between a cannabis plant and a, any other type of plant. And so anytime a plant is shown, it's going to age restrict your videos. Well, it may not age restrict. It will be like limited ads, some will be age restricted. There are two different kinds of levels. I know not everybody watching this is understand is a content creator on YouTube, so doesn't really understand how it works. But there are different penalties that they have. I'll say penalties. They'll basically give you a yellow dollar sign, which is like limited ads they'll show on there, and you get like next to no money. Then there's age restricted, where it's not monetized at all, so no advertise, no ads are run on there at all, and you get no money. Or you get the green dollar sign, which means your clean your content's clean, ads can be shown on there, so on and so forth. On my main YouTube channel where I show plants, it's not monetized at all, so I make no money on that whatsoever. On my unfiltered podcast channel, it's monetized, but it makes next to no money because they're all yellow dollars. Almost all the videos are yellow dollar signs or age restricted. On my Garden Talk with Mr. Growit channel. Since I talk about all plants, not just cannabis, and since I don't show cannabis, they monetize it. 
So it's about really following their advertiser guidelines and their community guidelines, being familiar with those, not showing cannabis plants, not openly talking about cannabis. You know what I mean? If you can avoid saying the word cannabis or saying the word marijuana, you probably have a better shot of monetizing the content. So that's kind of one thing that I've told people is like, Hey, if we can avoid it, we're going to reach a larger audience. And I get a lot of backlash because it's like, well, you're suppressing yourself. You know, you're, you're giving in to them. You know, you're hurting, you're hurting the community because you're, you know, not saying cannabis or, or marijuana or whatever. Right. But I already have a channel that I'm open about that. Right. I want a clean channel. I want to be able to reach more audience. And I want to also be able to talk about more plants, right? A lot of things we do, aquaponics can be for all plants. Natural farming could be for all plants. We have a Garden Talk podcast episode where we talk about growing tomatoes. You know, I want to have people on there that talk about growing vegetables, fruits, all herbs, all that stuff. So it's more than just cannabis. And I think that's the main reason why that channel is monetized. And yeah, I mean, again, not saying cannabis or, or marijuana definitely helps on that avenue. But, you know, long story short, I, it reaches a larger audience. I want to reach a larger audience. I want to bring more people into not just bringing people who don't grow cannabis to kind of have them learn about cannabis and potentially grow cannabis, but the people that grow cannabis, having to learn how to grow fruits and vegetables and potentially go and grow fruits and vegetables. I was one of them. I started out growing cannabis. And then it took me a little while, but I actually now grow fruits. You know, I grow peppers. I have uh, lettuce, kale, bok choy. So like I ventured out in there. And so I have, a, I have an actual interest on growing other plants. And I love having people on there that grow other types of plants so they can talk about it with me. And so I can learn. And so my audience can learn. So that's kind of, I think that pretty much answers your question on how to navigate the YouTube censorship is just learn their advertiser guidelines, their community guidelines, try to follow those in order to keep it clean. I mean, they do have, they do say cannabis specifically in there and they also say cannabis seeds in there. So that's one last thing I'll talk about is it specifically states if you're promoting cannabis seeds, they can take down your channel. And so many channels have been wiped out because of cannabis promoting cannabis seeds in particular it's linking seed banks or places to get cannabis in the description section. They, once they see a link going to an external site where they can buy seeds or they can buy cannabis, that's like, from my understanding, they'll term your channel right away. Now there are people that get away with it, right? You can go on and look at people's channels right now. And there are people openly promoting seeds, openly linking seed banks in their, their, uh, their description section. I personally think that it's just a matter of time before somebody reports them and the channel gets taken down. So I personally don't even risk it at all. Um, it Cause again, it says specifically in their community guidelines, you cannot advertise or you can't link to seed banks. It does say seed banks in there. So they are very specific on that Avenue. So I personally try to avoid it. And I think that's one of the main reasons why channels are actually getting terminated because of that. Yeah, I know uh, um, we've had issues with just trying to link back to people's websites. So like they flagged us for breedersteve.com. They flagged us for Mammoth P. Uh, they flagged us for um, uh, some other micro. I forget if it was um, Foop or one of the other chemicals because they had pictures of plants on their website. I don't know, some, some kind of crazy. We won all those petitions, but we had, you know, we got flagged for a while and it was pretty nerve wracking. Like now I have all of it backed up, you know, and anytime we finish an episode, it's automatically downloaded and backed up and I don't have to deal with it now, but that was nerve wracking for a while and not having, you know, before I had everything backed up on hardware, um, you know, something, the channel got taken down. Like, even if it got taken down, still having to build back up to your following still sucks, you know? So. That's brutal. I did have a channel taken down that never came back back in 2018, I had a channel called Just Grow It. And uh, this channel was initially my channel, but what I did was I had to stop growing for a very short period of time. I didn't know if I was gonna be able to grow again. And uh, what I did was I took a 
common thing that's done in other YouTube genres, which is community channels. And basically it's a user submitted channel. So people will, people from all over the world submitted in their best videos in order to be featured on the channel. So every single day there was a new video that was posted and they would, uh, you know, it would be a win-win-win. The person who submitted the video would get access to kind of people, more people viewing their video and going to their channel and subscribing to their channel. Uh, it would be a win for, um, it'd be a win for the regular channel, you know, the Just Grow channel because it, there would be more growth, more content, more growth. And that was also a win because back then, uh, you know, 2016, 2017-ish, you could monetize cannabis channels and plants that were shown. And so 100% of the money that was raised on that, it was monetized, 100% of the money was raised, got donated to Normal, which is a nonprofit organization working towards reforming cannabis laws. So it was just, it was a win all around. What happened was that was a channel that was linking to seed banks. And so I think that's the reason why that probably got terminated is because they saw that there was seed banks in the description section. And so they can't, they terminated that channel. There was like 685 videos, I think, on that channel, just straight up education. And it's just a massive library. And, uh, you know, once that channel was terminated, I think it was a big loss for the community because at the time it was the most viewed cannabis cultivation channel on YouTube. Uh, and again, it was raising money for a good cause. And so uh, that was a real heartbreaker there. And it definitely changed the way I go about, you know, linking things in the description in particular. Yeah, we had, uh, we did the first virtual aquaponic cannabis conference and almost lost the YouTube channel because of it, just linking to the speakers. And none of them were seed sellers. Or they were just, they were weed consultants or had micro companies or other, like, like I was saying earlier, uh, just random stuff. It made no, no rhyme or reason to it. It, it didn't make any sense, you know? That's out of control. That's heartbreaking. So that's now we what we do is we just link in the description. We just link to people's social media. We've had no issues linking back to people's social media pages, and from there they almost always have links to their other websites. So you know, I I wish I could put people's stuff on there, but that still allows us to kind of give some level of promotion and and you know, for our, our you know guests. Um, it seems to be a happy happy medium that works well with YouTube at least for now. So we'll think- see. Yeah, I think that's a safe way to go. I do the same thing. I'll link to the guest's YouTube channel or Instagram channel or um, you know Twitter or Facebook if they want that. Those are large websites. I think Amazon links are safe, you know, but, uh, but yeah, if you're linking to a website where you click on it and there's like cannabis plants, uh, there's a good chance that your stuff will get flagged or, or video taken down or even channel terminated. So I try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, certainly uh, the hardest part of uh, of doing YouTube channels is uh, navigating all the bullshit on that side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any cool episodes uh, coming up on your channel or cool content coming down the pipeline that uh, you want to talk tell everybody about? Uh, well, I kind of already talked about it with the Chill Out OG. That's the name of my cultivar that I'm working on an F3. So, uh, you know, encourage folks to tune into that. I release a new video every week on that. And, um, that one, uh, I'm really excited to see what I get out of these 12 seeds. Um, you know, hoping that I'm going to have some real nice ones, what I'm looking for, and then I can create a cross and kind of move on down the line. Um, as far as like interviews for garden talk, I do have a interesting one coming up with a gorilla grower. Uh, he's, uh, He's from Scandinavia and he has to wear, you know, he wears a mask and glasses and we have to like change his voice in order to be discreet. But he talks about all about gorilla growing and what he does in order to stay stealth, which, um, you know, is a controversial thing. I think bringing on, it's something new. Like I've never had a gorilla grower on my channel before. So it, it, it's definitely something new that I think might, uh, cause some uh, criticism to be to be heard in the comment section but i think some of the information that he gives can be applied to the normal home grow who wants to hide what they're doing to their neighbors for example to maybe friends or family or you know what i mean so i think some there are some takeaways in that episode so um that and then uh hoping to get 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, we already have it scheduled interview with you and uh, I hope to talk about some aquaponics. And uh, so for those that are tuning in here, stay tuned. We'll have uh, we'll have potent ponics on my garden talk episode coming in the future. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we used to always say too, like never dump your newts into your toilet or anything like that because uh, some municipalities are testing PPMs now. I know they are in Australia. They're busting growers because they're looking at the nutrient levels in the uh, the wastelands. Really? They, yep. They go into the sewer lines and then they can just scrape off the bottom of it and test it and go, yep, it's that one. That's crazy. Yeah. So you always dump it in your garden or, you know, someplace where it's going to feed some outdoor plants. You never, ever dump it in the toilet. That's super interesting. Wow. I didn't know <laughs> There's that. There's a lot of stuff people don't think about. Like, I think that's something else why black market people and people that grew up doing in the free people's market, as I like to say, is that you think about every last possible thing, like like stuff like that, or where you purchase things at, not going directly home or paying for, you know, like all the different thousand things you had to do in the black market days. Um, all of those like weird paranoias are good when it's like looking for bugs or making sure all everything gets done on a checklist or like, like the, you know, that, that applies equally as well in the white market. You know what I mean? That's why those people or people from the military that are used to following tons of SOPs, both of those you know, veterans make great, great workers in cannabis as well for the same reasons. Cause they have that, you know, hyper paranoia about procedure and, and, and everything, you know? Unbelievable. <laughs> um, uh, I think that's um, just about it on the questions that I had for you. We had some questions in chat. If anybody else has any other questions in chat here, um, they had, uh, where is it here? Ask him about how he feels about auto pots, drip, aeroponics, etc. Okay, so I've used the auto pots before and uh, used them several times. I personally, so I've used them with synthetic nutrients, got a good result. If anybody is out there that is maybe using Autopus for the first time, has it hooked up to a reservoir, um, I would recommend maybe starting with a quarter dose of nutrients. I mean, it certainly depends on the nutrient line, but like I had to start really, really light because starting with a half dose, I could see some toxicity issues coming on. And then there have been times where you can actually turn off the valve to the reservoir and then kind of let your pots dry out and then add in water if you need to. So, um, you know, if anybody's doing that, don't be afraid to, uh, you know, go that route. If you feel like you're, you are getting toxicity to build up, um, with organic doing like the organic top dressing, I, I tried it several times. I just did not have a good luck with the auto pots. And I think the reason why is because we know that the amendments need to be uh, moist, right? We need for an order for microbes to be on there and for the order microbes to be active, breaking down those amendments, turning them to a form that's usable for the plants. Um, and that top layer with the auto pots, it doesn't really go all the way up to where it's moist all the way to the top. I feel like the, you know, at least an inch or so is dry up top. And even with a cover crop, even with a mulch layer to try to keep that top medium moist, I didn't really get a good result. And other people out there that have commented on my videos and like, oh, I grow successfully with organics and auto pots. Maybe I just need to try again. <laughs> but, uh, but I personally didn't have the best luck doing that. But, uh, but maybe I'll try that again. I currently use blue mats. So, you know, the, the drip, uh, as you could say, and that's hooked up to a reservoir. I love those because, you know, it's, it's the carrots up top. It's going to see what the moisture level is in the medium. And then once, as the medium dries out, it's going to drip down onto the medium. And I have been successful doing top dressing organics with blue mats. So I'm going to continue using those. I actually just set up my blue mats for the 12 plant run that I have going right now. And, uh, and they're working pretty good. You know, it takes a little bit to dial in. I remember the first time I did it, I didn't do it right. And so it, it didn't, it, plants were overwatered and not looking good. And so like I took the plant out and like didn't use them for a while. But then once I pushed myself to go back and try it again, it was freaking fantastic. So much easier to like just have all these plants. So, I mean, the more, the better, right? The, 
the more plants you have hooked up to this, hooked up to one single reservoir, you're going to be saving time because you're just adding water to that reservoir, adding your nutrient solution to that reservoir. And then it's automatically going down onto your plants as needed, as the medium dries out. So I found it to be very, very useful. I found it to be easier. And uh, yeah, I'm a big proponent in um, making things easy in the garden. So we have another question. What does Mr. Grow use for IPM? That's a good question. Uh, well, basic things, right? We talk about IPM. We're not just talking about sprays, right? We're talking about everything done in order to prevent pests. Yellow sticky traps is pretty much a must. I always have the yellow sticky traps in. I always clean my grow room in between grows. I don't do perpetual grows. I, uh, in between grows, and actually oftentimes when I go from veg to flower, I'll do a clean out where I'm wiping down the sides of my grow tent, for example, wiping off all the equipment, which is with some sort of a bleach cleaning product. And then uh, some people say I go overboard with this, but, uh, but I try to keep things as clean as possible in the grow tent. I also do, sometimes I'll do sprays. You know, I've used neem oil in the past. I've used essential oil sprays. So I'll take like, uh, for example, I'll take like a 32 ounce sprayer, hand sprayer. I'll fill it up with water, the 32 ounces, and I'll add in a teaspoon of Dr. Bronner's soap as a surfactant. And then I'll drop in, um, I forget how many drops I usually do. I think it's like three or three to five or something like that. Drops of like either rosemary oil or peppermint oil. And then I'll spray the plants. And oftentimes I'll, you know, I'll do that once a week. So I'll, maybe I'll do rosemary this week, for example. Next week I'll do peppermint. And then you can kind of cycle through in order to try to deter pests that way. Um, and then the last thing that I can think of off the top of my head would be just not going outdoors directly in, into my indoor garden. You know what I mean? There's times where I like mow the lawn and then like, I can't, I don't want to risk going directly into my grow room, even just like mowing the lawn and stuff. Cause you don't know what's getting attached to your jeans, for example, your pants or your shoes or whatever. So to be completely honest with you, I mean, people act nickname me the naked gardener sometimes. I mean, I'm, I'm taking off clothes, like, yeah, I'm just going in there with my boxers sometimes, just, you know, dealing with the plants in order to try to make sure that I'm not bringing things into the grow room, especially pet hair. You know, I have three cats here and <laughs> it sucks having like pet hair all over the flowers of, you know, and all over the buds, they just stick to the trichomes like a magnet. And so uh, that's another reason why I take off my shirt and uh, try to wear clothes that the hair doesn't stick to or, um, yeah. So those are kind of the main things I do for, for IPM, you know, in order to prevent pests as an indoor gardener, it's just, it's not half as bad as outdoor in my opinion. Yeah, uh, outdoor is definitely much more of a challenge, especially uh, the farther East you get, the less documentation there is on the pests that are, you're going to run into, which is uh, half the fun of, uh, you know, doing that. <laughs> I know certainly running into all kinds of interesting stuff in Georgia uh, that I certainly have not seen any pictures of in any weed book. Uh, uh, I can imagine. Um, um, let's see any other questions here from chat. Doesn't look like we have too many other questions. Is there anything else you wanted to shout out um, before we wrap up the show? Uh, I mean, shameless plugs. <laughs> Follow me on YouTube. Just search Mr. Grow It. That's my main YouTube channel should pop up first. Um, Instagram that you've got right there at Mr. Grow It. And then uh, you can go to my, uh, yep. So there's my main YouTube channel there. That's where I show all my garden, weekly garden updates. I've got a couple different grow series going on right now. Um, so I kind of try, try to sprinkle them in. And uh, Garden Talk with Mr. Grow It is the other channel that I have. This one is a talk channel. This is where I talk about all plants. This is where my garden talk with Mr. Grow It podcast is held. And then also topic videos. Like for example, today you could see I did a Q&A video. So I'd like to sprinkle Q&A videos in there or random plant topics. Like there's one about flushing, a random topic video. There's molasses. There's a video on that. Um, just a whole bunch of different random talk style videos. Uh, another one would be unfiltered with Mr. Groat. If you search that, that's my newest podcast. That I just started this year, all things cannabis related there. 
that's the one I talked about earlier. That's a seasonal. So I don't think I'm going to be having any new episodes coming up, but you can get caught up on the old episodes. And then probably in the fall is when I'll probably get some new episodes up. And then the last one would be the from the stash podcast. Just search from the stash podcast on either YouTube or any podcast platform. And actually my garden talk podcast is also on any podcast platform. So if you prefer to listen on Apple podcasts or Spotify, you can go to one of those platforms, but yeah, from the stash podcast with me, Rob from cannabis lifestyle TV and pigeons 420. So three different perspectives on gardening and just all things cannabis related. So yeah, there are my shameless plugs there. I really appreciate you having me on today. This was, uh, this was fun. This is really cool. And I'm looking forward to the filming of Poponics, how we talk about aquaponics. Uh, and that should be probably next month is it will be released. The episode that you and I do, that'll be released in May sometimes. So definitely stay tuned to that for that. Well, thanks for, for coming on. Um, uh, you can check him out at mr.growit on instagram uh or mrgrowit.com uh, for those of you listening in the audio format or mr grow it on youtube uh or from the stash podcast on youtube um definitely check that out Alrighty, um thanks everybody for listening again you can check us out over at apmjclass.com marty and i have the online class for aquaponic cannabis i use coupon code ap420 between now and the end of earth day for 75 bucks off the class uh, we have a ton of new content coming down the pipeline for that. Um, some new facility tours and some other fun stuff as well. Um, and what else? Uh, APMJNutes.com for your aquaponic cannabis nutrients. And um, we will see you guys on Thursday. Um, yeah, well, we're uh, still working on the guests for Thursday. We have some other cool guests coming up. Uh, we have uh, Danielle from uh, Aquilitas coming up on the 28th of April. Uh, and then we have Tommy Chong is going to be our guest on uh, May 12th. So looking forward to that. And it's going to be at 3 p.m. Pacific, uh, a little bit earlier than normal, but uh, it's to facilitate our guest and his availability. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's worth it. So we'll, we'll catch it then. Um, until then, uh, we will see you guys tomorrow. Uh, Bicycle day over at Fumador and the Flavors uh, on YouTube. And um, we'll catch you. Uh, you guys can check out uh, the show on your favorite podcast app, uh, Growing with Fishes or Potent Ponics, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, all the things. And uh, we will.